You love to hate them or you hate to hate them. Heels in the wrestling industry are incredibly important. Who are some of the best heels of all time? Let's talk about it. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Thank God for Wrestling Podcast. I'm co-host number one, CJ McClure. Co-host two of two, Johnny King. And we got our top ten heels today. Johnny King, talk to him. I could say this is an order, yeah. I don't know, though. It's an order from about one through six or seven. After that, they get kind of, you can put them wherever. Number one. Vince McMahon, just for the sole fact that his on-screen character, in my eyes, the storyline with Austin, other than the bloodline, probably the most, the most famous story to ever come out of WWE, and just the sole fact that Mr. McMahon, he's never been a nice guy, you know, and even now he he's a he's a heel in kayfabe and out of kayfabe. Like, even everything we're going through now, nobody likes him. They want him to step down. <laughs> like, they are they were happy when they found out Triple H got 99% of creative control. And so his character on screen and off screen is transcended past, like, anything we've ever seen. So Mr. McMahon is number one. Number two, Randy Orton. 2008, 2009, Randy Orton was just a different, was a different person, bro. This man... This man handcuffed Triple H to the to the rope, bro. Knocked out Stephanie McMahon, and then he made out with her while she was unconscious. WWE can't he couldn't do this stuff today. No. And the fact that they let that happen back then is still crazy to me. But Randy Orton, he's called the Legend Killer for a reason, bro. He punted John Cena's dad, bro. He's done some insane things. He's RKO'd Nia Jax. What else has he done? Uh, literally, he's done endless amount of things. Didn't he RKO Trish Stratus? I know he RKO'd another female wrestler. Yeah, he's very he's known for not he doesn't see gender, you know. He just he just he just wrecks whoever he wants to, man. This man RKO'd Hulk Hogan on the back of a, a car trunk. Like so Randy Orton's number two. Number three is Edge. Growing up, bro. I hated Edge for the sole fact that he had a feud with Hardy, Jeff Hardy, and uh, just bro that two thousand, the two thousand like six to two thousand eight Edge was just like a different, a different menace, bro. The the rivalry he had with John Cena, he threw the old spinner belt in the river, and he had the new one with the rated R on it. He had the the live the live uh sex with Lita on TV after he won the title. Even his whole money in the bank cashed in. He plotted for literally a year, bro, until he cashed it in. Edge is just, he's, he was just a diabolical person back then, bro. So That's Edge true. number three. Number four, our tribal chief, Roman Reigns. But specifically, this era of Roman Reigns. Not like... Anything before the Tribal Chief? No, but the Tribal Chief from about late 2020 to now, yes, he is probably going to go down as one of the best heels of all time. Just for the 
just 100%. for the soul fact, yeah just for the soul fact of the magnitude this bloodline story carries bro what he's made himself into and i think roman's best heel promos aren't even ones where he's talking directly to the crowd or talking to the to the person in the ring they're the ones where after he like lays someone out he gets in the camera's face i'm the tribal chief you're not taking none of this for me boo like those are the best ones Although and the ones that he had with Jay during their first feud, uh, where it was just in the Thunderdome, so you could literally hear everything they were saying. It was literally almost like live theater, bro. Like, like Roman Reigns has has he's projected himself to be one of the best of all time, and there's no stopping, bro. Like, whenever we see this Roman Reigns character in, and we have a babyface Roman run, he'll go down as the best. This will go down as the best hero run of all time, in my opinion. Uh, uh, number five, Phil Brooks, CM Punk, man. I hate to see him Punk growing up for the other reason that he also had a few with Jeff Hardy and he would claim Jeff Hardy was, I mean, which kind of it was a little true, but he would use Jeff Hardy's abuse and drug problems as a, as a, uh, a way to get, to get, uh, under his skin and get heat. And yeah, bro, their match at TLC, I think it was, when CM Punk like started the show like in the crowd and he was just like cutting this crazy promo against uh Jeff Hardy. So something like that. And then his uh straight edge society days, bro, where he literally had like a cult following. He like portrayed himself as Jesus, brother. Um it was crazy, bro. Maybe the promo maybe the promo was at night champions. It was one of those pay-per-views when they were feuding. But yeah, the Shredded Society was crazy, bro. He made you he made you shave your head before you got in. Like he had the long, he was the only one who didn't have the shaved hair. He had a long, long hair and beard to resemble Christ. It was just, it was, it was crazy, bro. Like it was honestly insane. CM Punk, and even in AW, like he in AW, he was kind of like a tweener. Like he could work heel, he could hurt, he could work face. So he still hated like by by some people to this day. Number six, it's a newer one, MJF, Maxwell Jacob Friedman. He is, after it's all said and done, I believe he will be, if if not if not number two, the, the greatest heel of all time. Just for the simple fact that he has been AW and they're less uh, controlled and less censored than, than WWE. So he's allowed to say what he wants, do what he wants. And his his promo ability, his his character work, and the way he can work heel in a match is crazy, bro. Like him only being 24, like I don't I don't want to see when this when he's like 25, I think. I don't even want to see when he gets like 30, 35. Like he's only gonna get better. And he understands yeah. Well, sorry, just like went to add on what you're saying when he truly hits his prime, yeah, and like gets more experience and like he's already started off white hot. Mm-hmm. But imagine, imagine with more experience or like if he goes to WWE and gets like some guidance from Triple H. Mm-hmm. He he understands. He already has a great understanding of wrestling psychology to begin with, and like I just don't like Tony Khan cannot teach him wrestling psychology, bro. I'm if we're being honest, if he really wanted to like. To become one of the greatest, he would definitely need like a Triple H, a Shawn Michaels, someone in, in that realm. But yeah, MJF man, he he's doing great things right now. Uh these next ones are not in order. I have Christian Cage just for his work in uh the AW right now. Like 
he's he's arguably the best heel in the business right now, bro. MJF is a babyface right now. Christian Cage is the number one heel in AEW. Besides Roman Reigns, bro, Christian Cage is, is right there. The whole dad, the dad uh, ongoing thing that he has, coming after Nick Wayne's mom. He literally made Nick Wayne turn against uh, Darby. Uh, he literally told his best friend of 40 years to go F himself. Like, it doesn't get any crazier than that, bro. Uh, Christian Cage, yeah. Next one, The Miz. The Miz's first WWE title run, bro. I hated that man. Like, I literally hated him. He was the biggest heel in WWE at the time. And he, I think The Miz is one of the most underrated wrestlers, all around wrestlers of all time. Like, character, mic work, his in ring work might not be the best, but he literally said it in a Dan O'Brien promo when he, the Talking Smack one, the famous one that he doesn't have to wrestle like everybody else because he's never got injured. He's never been out for more than like over a year. Like he literally does this every single day, every single, every single second of the, of, of the day. Like he's, he's focused on longevity. And one of my favorite promos was, was when he was talking to John Cena and uh, Roman Reigns, he was talking about saying he's sick of their two, them two having moments. He wants his moment. He's been here for, for forever and he he he's sick of riding in the in the in the back seat but yeah the Miz is very underrated bro and I would love to see just like one more Miz run bro like if he even if he got like the IC title or like the world heavyweight title I would just love to see one more Miz heel run right number two JBL John Bradshaw Layfield <laughs> he was they definitely could not they could they couldn't have a JBL in today's WWE because JBL's whole character was based off being this racist, proud American. Like, bro had had uh, promos of him, like, chasing Hispanics back across the border. Like, you can't do that now, bro. Like, that's insane, bro. Like, the stuff that Vince McMahon and them got away with back then is crazy. Like, and he would come in with the limo, with the longhorns on it. Bro would literally wear a windbreaker. He had a towel, a cowboy hat, and he would just come out in his tiny trunks, bro. So it looked like he wasn't wearing any pants. It was like the craziest thing ever. JBL definitely. He's also the um. He's one of my favorite underrated commentators, bro. His his uh in ring commentating work was crazy. And last but not least, Paul Heyman. Just for the fact that we would not have some of the heels we have without Paul Heyman. And his work behind the scenes and on screen, like when he was Brock Heyman's, uh, I mean, Brock Lesnar's um, manager, CM Punk's manager. CM Punk necessarily didn't need Paul Heyman, but they had such great chemistry together and Punk respected him enough to allow, like, to let him, like, manage him on screen. And now we have Paul with uh, Roman Reigns. He's literally... If you want to be the biggest heel in the company, you go to Paul Heyman. And I think they're going to end up, after Paul Heyman's done with all this bloodline stuff, I think they're going to put him with Braun, Braun Breaker. At least that's what they're gearing to. Because I would love to see that. Because Braun Breaker could definitely be one of the biggest heels in the company. Because his heel work is way better than his baby face work, for sure. But yeah, Paul Heyman, man, when you need to make a heel, you you put him under Paul Heyman. And that's my list.
So I agree. I agree with all of that. I'm, I have no arguments or any of that. Uh, my list may be a little controversial in the sense of the order. For me, the order doesn't really matter except for who has, who's at number one. I do stand by that. Um, mine's a little more old school, though, like before our time. But nonetheless, here's mine. Number 10, the Iron Sheik. Okay, I respect it, yeah. I mean, he, from what I know and from what I have watched, I mean, he he loved being a heel. You know, he loved embracing his ethnicity and where he was from and just pissing every American child and man off in the 80s. And you can argue, if it wasn't for him, Hogan wouldn't be as big as he was, or Hogan wouldn't have had such a great moment when he won his first world title. Because, yeah, they already loved Hogan, but sometimes fans cheer for wrestlers because they hate the other guy so much. And, you know, Sheik, people say that Iron Sheik is the greatest transitional champion in wrestling history because he dumped it off to Hogan, and then Hogan had the third longest world title reign in mm -hmm. WWE history. And he just, he, and, and Bro was honestly a good wrestler, too, for his time. I mean, like, he was real pretty strong. He was fairly athletic. Like, he, he kind of had the whole package to be a heel, and he loved being a heel. Mm -hmm. Number nine, you can't, you can't not talk about heels and not put Ric Flair on the list. Yeah. Just, just yeah. sleazy. As all the money, I mean, again, like, remember the Dream Match video when I said MJF versus Ric Flair? You know, and MJF with Adam Cole said, like, oh, I had sex with your ma. <laughs> and, you know, Flair had the program with Randy Savage going to WrestleMania saying Elizabeth was his first. Mm -hmm. People hated Ric Flair. Yeah. He was slimy and he cheated. I mean, dirtiest player in the game, even in the 21st century, still kept the ball rolling. Mm -hmm. Number eight, Triple H. I mean, the way this man evoked so much emotion from Jim Ross, always calling him an SOB. I mean, and Bro was the was basically the devil in the beginning of the 21st century. Would do anything to be world champion. Would do anything to retain by any means. And because the storyline also is kind of flair taught him those things yeah healed to another but then he but then he ended up attacking flair he's like i don't need you anymore you know and like what oh three oh four maybe oh five and i think some of his even some of his heel work as like the authority figure for the authority is a little underrated how he was kind of like a dictator but triple h has always been good at being a heel and face but arguably he is a better heel no doubt about it yeah, for sure. Number seven, Randy Gordon. You know, you you pretty much already took the words out of my mouth. I mean, his his work in two thousand nine, arguably the best work of his career. But and it's funny how like I, I've put almost every member of Evolution on here except for Batista, because again, like with the storyline, Triple H didn't want anyone else to be world champion, be in power. Turned on Randy Orton, and yeah, Randy was already the legend killer. Did you know feuded with Undertaker, RKO'd Hulk Hogan, RKO'd I think Trish Stratus, but arguably the long term storyline was when Triple H turned on Randy and kicked him out of Evolution. That's really what caused Randy to be who he was in 09 because mm -hmm. he didn't trust anybody except for his guys and legacy. And then he kind of became Triple H in the sense of what I say goes, do what I want, Cody and Ted. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean. 
kissing Stephanie while she was unconscious and Hunter was handcuffed is an all-time moment. All-time moment. Yeah. Like you said, punted John's John's dad. And I think when he returned to the Legend Killer in the Thunderdome era, I mean, Randy's one of the people that put the Thunderdome and COVID era on his back. Mm-hmm. I mean, Randy really kind of returned to like some of it, what he could get away with, because obviously a different era. But I mean, just before Shawn Michaels could get a word in on the mic, RKO and him punted him. Punted Rick, old man Ric Flair. <laughs> I mean, just the stuff in when it was heel versus heel with him and the Fiend. I mean, what him and Alexa were doing, that he was going to set her on fire mm-hmm. and he didn't care. Just. Randy and it it probably helps that Randy does I think have a little bit of anger issues in real life that he's able to tap into this madness an advantage but just when it comes to being a heel especially in 09 Randy was him number six Bobby Heenan okay I, I I feel like I have to respect the past with him I mean the most based and biased commentator of all time. Okay, yeah. More biased than Jerry Lawler. I mean, just in the 92 Royal Rumble when Flair wanted number three and won his first WWE championship, and just how Bobby the Heenan is treating Flair like he's a hero and is just making excuses after excuses of, like, why Flair was down in the ring and how he celebrated, like, a little kid when Flair won. And not to mention almost like Paul Heyman in the sense of all the other wrestlers that he was the manager of. And just, just again, just these slimy, weaselly heel. Like, it's only convenient for him when he would be right. It's only convenient for him when he would be wrong. In my opinion, and granted, Paul was already kind of in that generation of other companies, but... Bobby Heenan kind of paved the way for Paul Heyman, in my opinion. Right. And then Paul took what was great about Bobby, but then made it better mm. of his own version. Number five, MJF. MJF is a once-in-a-generation talent. He understands wrestling. He understands how to be a heel. We're now seeing him, how his capability of being a face. How, I mean, MJF can have people boo him and cheer him just like that. Literally, but you know, like that, that that that's how he understands psychology and he knows the right things to say. And just it, it's funny how in wrestling the simplest things can get over. And for MJF, it's I'm better than you and you know it. Mm-hmm. It's cocky, but it's plain and simple. I'm better than you. Even in even outside of the ring, he, he's really playing himself. Like he's still in kayfabe. Like when he was asked about Brock Lesnar and John Cena, he's like, Yeah, don't get me wrong, those guys are great, but they're not MJF. Mm-hmm. They're not yeah. me. That's what they're missing. They're not me. <laughs> you know, like so egotistical and narcissistic. Like, I if he jumped ship to WWE, I would love to see MJF and the tribal chief Roman Reigns because of how both narcissistic they can be. For sure. And plus, the, some of the stuff that P- MJF and Punk were doing in their feud, like how violent it got, how MJF didn't care when it came to that feud, was great stuff. Yeah. Number four, JBL. Bro was just a bully. Literally. And there's not a perfect person on this planet, but he, he was also a bully in real life, <laughs> unfortunately. I mean, and just his WWE Championship run, his only world title run. I mean, just weaseling out, escaping by the skin of his teeth, just heel comments after heel comments. Just how much 
in the storyline he bullied Rey Mysterio. I think that's when like the chasing the Mexicans like storyline happened with him and Rey. Just he was just a bully, and he was good at it. Yeah. I mean, need, need I say more? I mean, like he was he was just a bully. Number three, I got Macho Man Randy Savage. Okay, you know I. I think I mentioned on here before how people like when they compare Macho Man and Hogan of who's better, and then there's like the same comparison with like Randy Orton, John Cena, because they're kind of, kind of similar in a sense, especially Hogan and Cena. And people argue that Savage was better than Hogan and Orton's better than Cena because those guys have actually been heels. Yeah, you know they asked Randy to be the uh, Savage to be the heel going into WrestleMania match against Hogan, and Randy did it well. Mm-hmm. You know the Macho Man was bad to the bone. You know it just. I don't know. I feel like you you have to respect that. You know, that they needed another heel to face Hogan, so everybody would be behind Hogan, and Macho Man was able to do that. Especially, and not to mention, too, his feud against Ricky Steamboat at WrestleMania 3. He was the heel going in that match. He took out Ricky Steamboat for months, and then Steamboat came back and had his WrestleMania moment in the classic. Yeah. I respect it. Number two... I, I added this one last minute because I completely forgot about him. Just bad. Shawn Michaels. Yeah, I forgot about low-key Shawn, too, yeah. His- I mean, just just in the early 90s and the little bit of the Attitude Era he was in before he had to retire the first time, just cocky, disrespectful, arrogant. Just, you know, what him and Hunt, Paul Hunter, or whatever you want to call him, were doing, you know, in DX. I mean... And again, kind of like MJF and JBL in the sense of that's how he was in real life. Yeah. And, you know, and, and we're, we're, we're Christians, right? I mean, uh, Shane, who's the guy that played the hurricane? I forget his name. Helms. Yeah, Shane Helms. I, I think it was him that said the only reason that Sean found God was because no one liked him. Yep, literally. Yeah. Which, it's awesome that he did turn a new leaf, but I mean, but but at the same time, it's like, you know, Undertaker hated Sean. He said that he hated Sean, but he did acknowledge the fact that he was good in the ring. And the fact that Sean was so ahead of his time and could have put on a five-star match with a broomstick, but was an a-hole of a person in the ring and outside the ring, it was like conflicting feelings. Because people were like, well, he's a good wrestler. He knows how to put on a good match, but he's a D-bag. Yeah. You know, like when he threw a fit mid-match against Vader, you know, their championship match at SummerSlam. Even when he got mad in the mid-2000s when him and Hogan were supposed to have the long feud, but Hogan just wanted to do the one match, and Michael's just overselling everything because he had a bad attitude about it because he wanted he wanted to do the three matches. I mean, he returned to old Sean, and he was still capable of being that heel Sean. Bro, sweet chin music, Marty Jannetty through the glass. Or he threw him through the glass, but sweet chin music in before, I mean... I said it on here before when we were talking about our Mount Rushmore. Sean as a heel was arguably better than a face. Oh, for sure. I feel like almost everyone as a heel is better as a face than a face. Yeah, because it's more realistic. Yeah. And finally, number one, and this is, I mean, this is the one like ranking I stand by. It has to be number one, Mr. McMahon. Yeah. I mean, you, you already said it, but 
when the attitude era arguably started after the Montreal screw job, that's what a lot of people agree. That's when it, when it started. I mean, 1997 for sure. That's when the Mr. McMahon character really became a thing. You know, when he said, Brett screwed Brett, I have no sympathy for Brett. And then the Austin McMahon storyline S tier and the bloodline is arguably up there too. I mean, just everything Vince did. I mean, like people be forgetting that Vince was also a part of the Attitude Era, not just and backstage as a booker, but on screen as a character too, and in some matches. What he did with Trish, what he did to Linda, even what he's done to his own kids. I mean, it just the stuff that this man has come up with when his mind was probably starting to deteriorate, and he still got away with, despite the fact he was also trying to be professional and have stakeholders in WWE. Insane. And just now that like people, they're just like, we don't really want you here anymore. We respect what you've done. We wouldn't have this job if it wasn't for you. And again, like even when it was a territorial system, Vince Sr. wanted it to stay that way. Vince Sr. dies. And then our Vince took the aggressive approach and wanted to make WWE, WWF a global phenomenon. You could argue that that was a little heelish. Yeah. Just, just a little bit. I mean, but if he didn't do that, we probably would be having this podcast. But nonetheless, I mean, Vince McMahon is the greatest heel of all time. Stand by that. No doubt. The yeah. fact that I don't like him in real life, I don't even know him. Like, yeah, man. Anywho. What are some of your guys' favorite heels in wrestling? Our list, not the right list. It's just our opinions. Love to talk to you guys about it. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, and comment. I'm CJ McClure, and thank God for wrestling. Yeah, guys, make sure to like, comment, subscribe. We'll see you on the next one. Thank God for wrestling.